Eric has this book. Um, that's what yeah. you're saying. Um, this book. Okay. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, let, let's, let's jump in. So then I, I wanted to, so we kind of covered that. I wanted to then move into, um, so I think Graham, it'd be really interesting to kind of go into a little bit more around, I guess, I guess how philosophical atheism has tracked with culture. So we kind of mentioned kind of uh, Edinburgh and, and, and the UK and these sorts of places. Obviously, um, it began to kind of grow and change and has become an entire kind of uh, well-established and well-respected uh, field of philosophy um, studied across the world and, and admired by many. So it, I, I would like to kind of just before we kind of leave, I guess, the, the history section of this tour um, um, of kind of atheism are there any other sort of key moments or figures that you'd want to um speak about that kind of i guess touched a point with culture um kind of historically and and how their outworkings or thoughts around sort of philosophical atheism had that impact so there's a bunch of people here some in france and some in the uk and one person is hume himself and hume's it there's a lot of disagreement amongst philosophers about what Hume actually thought. My view, and I'm kind of tracking fairly closely with the views of Paul Russell, is that Hume was an atheist. And um, in the dialogues concerning natural religion, what he's actually doing is setting out a very strong argument against the existence of God. But it's dressed up in a dialogue form and there's all kinds of red herrings, um, which mean that you have to work a bit in order to extract the argument. And I mean, you don't have to look very far. I already gave you the background that explains why um, Hume was very careful not to even publish the dialogues during his life. I and mean, his, his nephew and heir was instructed to publish it on his death. He wasn't prepared to have it come out before. And he was worried really about his social reputation uh, and uh, with good reason. By So he died in 1776. At that point, uh, it was not socially acceptable in the UK. It hadn't been up until that point to profess atheism. There's There are kind of interesting cases um, so, um, by reputation, some people thought of Hobbes as an atheist, but that was in the earlier sense that I was talking about. He just kind of had heretical ideas. But apparently there were some sort of wealthy young men who really were atheists. They weren't philosophers, they weren't kind of deep thinkers, but they'd kind of picked up in a sort of half-assed way from Hobbes, a kind of materialistic, atheistic aspect. Um, so that's that's in the UK. What I mean, I should add to that that the first tract defending atheism that had the author's name on it came out about five years after Hume died. It was written by a Liverpool doctor, um, and it was kind of it wasn't great philosophically, but it was sort of solid, right? And then there's a kind of period where other people are doing this um, atheism didn't really get kind of traction and public sympathy until 
at, at all, really. I mean, even Shelley. Shelley got sent down from Oxford for, for writing an essay defending atheism. It really wasn't until the 1820s when Richard Carlyle started publishing all of the tracts that had been written by atheists in the preceding 30 or 40 years and kept getting jailed for it, that public sympathy started to swing towards atheism because he was being given such a shit time by the authorities. Right. So, um, And... After that, you'll start to find some philosophers, though really not many uh, until into the 20th century who are prepared to um, give defences of atheism. So that's, that's in the UK. In France, the really interesting figure is Jean Melier, who was a Catholic priest. Um, so he's born, I think, in about the 60s, died in 1729. Um, and in the last 10 years of his life, he wrote a kind of intellectual uh, um, document. Uh, and his document was really interesting. It turns out that he was an atheist and his, his, most of the standard atheistic arguments that you find in, for example, the New Atheists are there in Malier. Um, he was also an internationalist and a socialist and a kind of radical thinker in various kinds of ways. And... He, he made four copies of his, te of his testament. That's what it, the title that it eventually came to be called by. Uh, and somehow or other, the testament eluded the church authorities and was captured by people who started circulating them in Paris in the 1730s. Uh, so this was a kind of clandestine circulation. And they were enormously influential. So there's a whole generation of people after Melier who basically just republished what he'd done. So Holbach, um, Voltaire, though Voltaire took out all of the political stuff he didn't like. He just, and he, he pretended that Melier was a deist because Voltaire himself was a deist. So he edited it very stringently so it looked like it was that Melier agreed with Voltaire on a whole lot of things when in fact, um, Compared to Malier, Voltaire was a bit of a, I don't know what's the right word, a bit of a pussy, so right. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, Dessard, the philosophy in the boudoir is basically all that philosophical stuff is cribbed from Malier as well. So he's a really interesting figure. The other interesting figure is Holbach, even though he wasn't a particularly kind of um, uh, innovative as a philosopher, uh, he certainly had played a major role in pushing atheism forwards. He, uh, his, so he was very wealthy. He inherited money from his uncle who made a fortune on the stock exchange and he ran a salon in Paris and everybody who was anybody was passed through his salon. He had a fantastic library, he had the best wine cellar in Paris. He had uh, a great kitchen as well. And lots of interesting people would gather there and their conversations were relatively free. I mean, like you could say whatever, whatever you thought within the confines of the salon. Uh, and so there were some regular people, some of whom were atheists, uh, and then just all these interesting people who went through there. And in the background, Holbach was a very prodigious writer and he's writing lots of anonymous atheistic tracts that were circulating around Paris. Nobody, apparently none of the authorities knew that it was him or if they did, they were prepared to put up with it because of, you know, his public profile and so on. I mean, it's not really clear uh, who knew. Uh, Hume went to um, 
the cell on several times. And there's this story, which I think is true, that um, Hume asked Holbach, do you think there's ever really been anyone who was an atheist? Now, why Hume would ask that question, I don't know. And Voltaire's reply is, sure, there's a bunch of them at the table. Right, so, uh, so Mallier is really a quite significant historical figure, I think.